sherman's recollections of california eighteen forty six eighteen forty eight eighteen fifty five to eighteen fifty seven from his memoirs by william tecumseh sherman this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two early recollections of california eighteen forty six eighteen forty eight part three in my opinion when the mormons were driven from nauvoo illinois in eighteen forty four they cast about for a land where they would not be disturbed again and fixed on california in the year eighteen forty five a ship the brooklyn sailed from new york for california with a colony of mormons of which sam brannan was the leader and we found them there on our arrival in january eighteen forty seven when general kearney at fort leavenworth was collecting volunteers early in eighteen forty six for the mexican war he through the instrumentality of captain james allen brother to our quartermaster general robert allen raised a battalion of mormons at canesville iowa now council bluffs on the express understanding that it would facilitate their migration to california but when the mormons reached salt lake in eighteen forty six they learned that they had been forestalled by the united states forces in california and they then determined to settle down where they were therefore when this battalion of five companies of mormons raised by allen who died on the way and was succeeded by cook was discharged at los angeles california in the early summer of eighteen forty seven most of the men went to their people at salt lake with all the money received as pay from the united states invested in cattle and breeding horses one company re-enlisted for another year and the remainder sought work in the country as soon as the fame of the gold discovery spread through california the mormons naturally turned to mormon island so that in july eighteen forty eight we found about three hundred of them there at work sam brannan was on hand as the high priest collecting the tithes clark of clark's point an early pioneer was there also and nearly all the mormons who had come out in the brooklyn or who had stayed in california after the discharge of their battalion had collected there i recall the scene as perfectly to-day as though it were yesterday in the midst of a broken country all parched and dried by the hot sun of july sparsely wooded with live oaks and straggling pines lay the valley of the american river with its bold mountain stream coming out of the snowy mountains to the east in this valley is a flat or gravel bed which in high water is an island or is overflown but at the time of our visit was simply a level gravel bed of the river on its edges men were digging and filling buckets with the finer earth and gravel which was carried to a machine made like a baby's cradle open at the foot and at the head a plate of sheet iron or zinc punctured full of holes on this metallic plate was emptied the earth and water was then poured on it from the buckets while one man shook the cradle with violent rocking by a handle on the bottom were nailed cleats of wood with this rude machine four men could earn from forty to one hundred dollars a day averaging sixteen dollars or a gold ounce per man per day while the sun blazed down on the heads of the miners with tropical heat the water was bitter cold and all hands were either standing in the water or had their clothes wet all the time yet there were no complaints of rheumatism or cold 
we made our camp on a small knoll a little below the island and from it could overlook the busy scene a few bush huts near by served as stores boarding-houses and for sleeping but all hands slept on the ground with pine leaves and blankets for bedding as soon as the news spread that the governor was there persons came to see us and volunteered all kinds of information illustrating it by samples of the gold which was of a uniform kind scale gold bright and beautiful a large variety of every conceivable shape and form was found in the smaller gulches round about but the gold in the river bed was uniformly scale gold i remember that mr clark was in camp talking to colonel mason about matters and things generally when he inquired governor what business has sam brannan to collect the tithes here clark admitted that brannan was the head of the mormon church in california and he was simply questioning as to brannan's right as high priest to compel the mormons to pay him the regular tithes colonel mason answered brannan has a perfect right to collect the tax if you mormons are fools enough to pay it then said clark i for one won't pay it any longer colonel mason added this is public land and the gold is the property of the united states all of you here are trespassers but as the government is benefited by your getting out the gold i do not intend to interfere i understood afterward that from that time the payment of the tithes ceased but brannan had already collected enough money wherewith to hire sutter's hospital and to open a store there in which he made more money than any merchant in california during that summer and fall the understanding was that the money collected by him as tithes was a foundation of his fortune which is still very large in san francisco that evening we all mingled freely with the miners and witnessed the process of cleaning up and panning out which is the last process for separating the pure gold from the fine dirt and black sand the next day we continued our journey up the valley of the american fork stopping at various camps where mining was in progress and about noon we reached coloma the place where gold had been first discovered the hills were higher and the timber of better quality the river was narrower and bolder and but few miners were at work there by reason of marshall's and sutter's claim to the site there stood the sawmill unfinished the dam and tail race just as they were left when the mormons ceased work marshall and wimmer's family of wife and half a dozen children were there guarding their supposed treasure living in a house made of clapboards here also we were shown many specimens of gold of a coarser grain than that found at mormon island the next day we crossed the american river to its north side and visited many small camps of men in what were called the dry diggings little pools of water stood in the beds of the streams and these were used to wash the dirt and there the gold was in every conceivable shape and size some of the specimens weighing several ounces some of these diggings were extremely rich but as a whole they were more precarious in results than at the river sometimes a lucky fellow would hit on a pocket and collect several thousand dollars in a few days and then again he would be shifting about from place to place prospecting and spending all he had made little stores were being opened at every point where flour bacon etc were sold everything being a dollar a pound and a meal usually costing three dollars nobody paid for a bed for he slept on the ground without fear of cold or rain 
we spent nearly a week in that region and were quite bewildered by the fabulous tales of recent discoveries which at the time were confined to the several forks of the american and yuba rivers all this time our horses had nothing to eat but the spare grass in that region and we were forced to work our way down toward the sacramento valley or to see our animals perish still we contemplated a visit to the yuba and feather rivers from which we had heard of more wonderful diggings but met a courier who announced the arrival of a ship at monterey with dispatches of great importance from mazatlan we accordingly turned our horses back to sutter's fort crossing the sacramento again by swimming our horses and ferrying their loads in that solitary canoe we took our back track as far as the napa and then turned to benicia on carcanis straits we found there a solitary adobe house occupied by mr hastings and his family embracing dr semple the proprietor of the ferry this ferry was a ship's boat with a lanteen sail which could carry across at one time six or eight horses it took us several days to cross over and during that time we got well acquainted with the doctor who was quite a character he had come to california from illinois and was brother to senator simple he was about seven feet high and very intelligent when we first reached monterey he had a printing press which belonged to the united states having been captured at the custom house and had been used to print custom house blanks with this dr simple as editor published the californian a small sheet of news once a week and it was a curiosity in its line using two v's for a w and other combinations of letters made necessary by want of type after some time he removed to yerba buena with his paper and it grew up to be the alta california of to-day foreseeing as he thought the growth of a great city somewhere on the bay of san francisco he selected carquinez straits as its location and obtained from general vallejo a title to a league of land on condition of building up a city thereon to bear the name of vallejo's wife this was francisca benicia accordingly the new city was named francisca at this time the town near the mouth of the bay was known universally as yerba buena but that name was not known abroad although san francisco was familiar to the whole civilized world now some of the chief men of yerba buena folsom howard leidsdorf and others knowing the importance of a name saw their danger and by some action of the ayuntamiento or town council changed the name of yerba buena to san francisco dr semple was outraged at their changing the name to one like his of francisca and he in turn changed his town to the other name of mrs vallejo viz benicia and benicia it has remained to this day i am convinced that this little circumstance was big with consequences that benicia has the best natural site for a commercial city i am satisfied and had half the money and half the labor since bestowed upon san francisco been expended at benicia we should have at this day a city of palaces on the carcanis straits the name of san francisco however fixed the city where it now is for every ship in 1848-49 which cleared from any part of the world knew the name of San Francisco, but not Yerba Buena or Benicia, 
and accordingly ships consigned to california came pouring in with their contents and were anchored in front of yerba buena the first town captains and crews deserted for the gold mines and now half the city in front of monterey street is built over the hulks thus abandoned but dr simple at that time was all there was of benicia he was captain and crew of his ferry-boat and managed to pass our party to the south side of carquinez straits in about two days thence we proceeded to amador valley to alameda creek and so on to the old mission of san jose thence to the pueblo of san jose where folsom and those belonging in yerba buena went in that direction and we continued on to monterey our party all the way giving official sanctions to the news from the gold mines and adding new force to the fever on reaching monterey we found dispatches from commodore shubrick at mazatlan which gave almost positive assurance that the war with mexico was over the hostilities had ceased and commissioners were arranging the terms of peace at guadalupe hidalgo it was well that this news reached california at that critical time for so contagious had become the gold fever that everybody was bound to go and try his fortune and the volunteer regiment of stevenson's would have deserted en masse had the men not been assured that they would very soon be entitled to an honourable discharge many of our regulars did desert among them the very men who had escorted us faithfully to the mines and back our servants also left us and nothing less than three hundred dollars a month would hire a man in california colonel mason's black boy aaron alone of all our then servants proved faithful we were forced to resort to all manner of shifts to live first we had a mess with a black fellow we called bustamante as cook but he got the fever and had to go we next took a soldier but he deserted and carried off my double-barreled shotgun which i prized very highly to meet this condition of facts colonel mason ordered that liberal furlough should be given to the soldiers and promises to all in turn and he allowed all the officers to draw their rations in kind as the actual valve of the rations was very large this enabled us to live halleck murray ord and i boarded with doña augustias and turned in our rations as pay for our board some time in september eighteen forty eight the official news of the treaty of peace reached us and the mexican war was over this treaty was signed in may and came to us all the way by land by a courier from lower california sent from la paz by lieutenant-colonel burton on its receipt orders were at once made for the muster out of all of stevenson's regiment and our military forces were thus reduced to the single company of dragoons at los angeles and the one company of artillery at monterey nearly all business had ceased except that connected with gold and during that fall colonel mason captain warner and i made another trip up to sutter's fort going also to the newly discovered mines on the stanislaw called sonora named from the miners of sonora mexico who had first discovered them we found there pretty much the same state of facts as before existed at mormon island and coloma and we daily received intelligence of the opening of still other mines north and south but i have passed over a very interesting fact 
as soon as we had returned from our first visit to the gold mines it became important to send home positive knowledge of this valuable discovery the means of communication with the united states were very precarious and i suggested to colonel mason that a special courier ought to be sent that second lieutenant lurzer had been promoted to first lieutenant and was entitled to go home he was accordingly detailed to carry the news i prepared with great care the letter to the adjutant-general of august seventeenth eighteen forty eight which colonel mason modified in a few particulars and as it was important to send not only the specimens which had been presented to us along our route of travel i advised the colonel to allow captain folsom to purchase and send to washington a large sample of the commercial gold in general use and to pay for the same out of the money in his hands known as the civil fund arising from duties collected at the several ports in california he consented to this and captain folsom bought an oyster-can full at ten dollars the ounce which was the rate of value at which it was then received at the custom-house folsom was instructed further to contract with some vessel to carry the messenger to south america where he could take the english steamers as far east as jamaica with a conditional charter giving increased payment if the vessel could catch the october steamer Folsom chartered the bark La Lambayacana, owned and navigated by Henry D. Cook, who has since been the governor of the District of Columbia. In due time this vessel reached Monterey, and Lieutenant Lurzer, with his report and specimens of gold, embarked and sailed. He reached the South American continent at Paita, Peru, in time, took the English steamer of October to Panama, and thence went on to Kingston, Jamaica, where he found a sailing vessel bound for New Orleans. On reaching New Orleans, he telegraphed to the War Department his arrival, but so many delays had occurred that he did not reach Washington in time to have the matter embraced in the President's regular message of 1848, as we had calculated still the president made it the subject of a special message and thus became official what had before only reached the world in very indefinite shape then began that wonderful development and the great emigration to california by land and by sea of eighteen forty nine and eighteen fifty as before narrated mason warner and i made a second visit to the mines in september and october eighteen forty eight as the winter season approached colonel mason returned to monterey and i remained for a time at sutter's fort in order to share somewhat in the riches of the land we formed a partnership in a store at coloma in charge of norman s bestor who had been warner's clerk we supplied the necessary money fifteen hundred dollars five hundred dollars each and bestor carried on the store at coloma for his share out of this investment each of us realized a profit of about fifteen hundred dollars warner also got a regular leave of absence and contracted with captain sutter for surveying and locating the town of sacramento he received for this sixteen dollars per day for his services as surveyor and sutter paid all the hands engaged in the work the town was laid off mostly up about the fort but a few streets were staked off along the river bank and one or two leading to it 
captain sutter always contended however that no town could possibly exist on the immediate bank of the river because the spring freshets rose over the bank and frequently it was necessary to swim a horse to reach the boat landing nevertheless from the very beginning the town began to be built on the very river bank viz first second and third streets with j and k streets leading back among the principal merchants and traders of that winter at sacramento were sam brannan and hensley reading and company for several years the site was annually flooded but the people have persevered in building the levees and afterward in raising all the streets so that sacramento is now a fine city the capital of the state and stands where in eighteen forty eight was nothing but a dense mass of bushes vines and submerged land the old fort has disappeared altogether during the fall of eighteen forty eight warner ord and i camped on the bank of the american river abreast of the fort at what was known as the old tan-yard i was cook ord cleaned up the dishes and warner looked after the horses but ord was deposed as scullion because he would only wipe the tin plates with a tuft of grass according to the custom of the country whereas warner insisted on having them washed after each meal with hot water warner was in consequence promoted to scullion and ord became the hostler we drew our rations in kind from the commissary at san francisco who sent them up to us by a boat and we were thus enabled to dispense a generous hospitality to many a poor devil who otherwise would have had nothing to eat the winter of eighteen forty eight forty nine was a period of intense activity throughout california the rainy season was unfavorable to the operations of gold mining and was very hard upon the thousands of houseless men and women who dwelt in the mountains and even in the towns most of the natives and old inhabitants had returned to their ranches and houses yet there were not roofs enough in the country to shelter the thousands who had arrived by sea and by land the news had gone forth to the whole civilized world that gold in fabulous quantities was to be had for the mere digging and adventurers came pouring in blindly to seek their fortunes without a thought of house or food yerba buena had been converted into san francisco sacramento city had been laid out lots were being rapidly sold and the town was being built up as an entrepot to the mines stockton also had been chosen as a convenient point for trading with the lower or southern mines captain sutter was the sole proprietor of the former and captain charles weber was the owner of the site of stockton which was as yet known as french camp End of chapter 2, part 3